For this week, we start a new series entitled, Five Questions Every Man Needs Answered. Pastor John Mark Cate returns to start this series off and gives us three tips to help identify what God's will is for our life. Now, without further ado, let's hear from John Mark. What's up, boys? Good seeing y'all, all the new guys, man. Good to, uh, good to have y'all with us. And uh, hopefully as we start a new series, it'll be a good, uh, good series, but hopefully it'll be a good uh, start to another Cowboys campaign. Uh, but uh, we will see about that. Uh, but uh, today, as I thought about five questions and just thinking through the summer and praying through the summer, uh, as we, we see God's moving clearly in our church, uh, in our country, you can just see spurts and places when people are waking up. Uh, but if we're really going to be the kind of people and uh, people of God that we want to be, that we, God wants us to be, uh, I will just tell you, it starts with the men. It starts with us in here uh, understanding who God wants us to be uh, in our communities, in our church, and in our families, and for our families. And so I just said, you know, what's, what's the question uh, that every man needs to answer? And I really came up with five of them. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at them. But question number one is this, uh, and it's, it's one that uh, probably uh, you could have guessed if it was going to be part of it, but I thought I'd make this number one. And, and here's the question that every man in this room needs to hear, answer, and ultimately know how to answer is, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? You know, when we talk about God's will, uh, we can talk about God's absolute will, uh, that there is God's absolute will. There are things that God says, this is what's going to happen. And he, he orchestrates everything about it as to how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen. And we just see that from time to time. There are certain things uh, about the creation of the world and Christ's second coming that God has willed it. It is going to be, uh, it is going to happen exactly the way God put it together, decided it, determined it exactly when it's going to happen. Uh, when Jesus was going back up into heaven, uh, the disciples looked at him and said, uh, you know, if you're going to go back to heaven, when are you going to come back? He goes, that's for my father to know. It's not for me to know, not for you to know. Uh, and that's God's absolute will, is that there are certain things that are going to happen that are absolutely controlled from beginning to end by God. However, there's a second aspect of God's will called his permissive will. That God allows us, he created us as free individuals, uh, to choose to accept him or reject him. Then for those of us who accept him, he oftentimes gives us permission Within his will, he could step in and control all of our thoughts, all of our relationships, all of our actions, everything that we do. Uh, he could step in and do that. And there are times we see in Scripture where God clearly steps in and forces a man to do something. But a lot of times what we see is God's permissive will. That even as a man has followed him and been faithful for a long time, God will still permit a man to make his own choice. I mean, think about David. David was called by God, anointed by God. David was a man after God's own heart. But God still permitted David to screw up, to make a bad choice with Bathsheba. Now, God also allowed consequences to come along with that. And so I don't know if you're sitting here today and you're looking back over your recent history, uh, the last couple of months, last couple of years, and you say, man, I am reaping the benefits of some really good decisions I made a couple of years ago. And God bless you. But perhaps you're sitting here and you're wondering, man, 
I am reaping uh, the consequences of some really bad decisions I've made over the last couple of years. And that's part of God's permissive will. And so we thought question number one today was, man, what is God's will for my life? And then perhaps even how do I determine God's will for my life? Uh, if you were in uh, services on Sunday, um, there was an example of a guy uh, who uh, made a decision, the story of Levi. And we talked about Levi who ultimately became the priest. Hopefully y'all all went and read Genesis chapter 34 to see that story. How many of you read Genesis 34 after Sunday? Uh, pretty solid story, right? Uh, it, it's kind of a good story. If you haven't read it, it is a dude story that uh, Jacob had 12 sons, one daughter. Uh, one of the sons was named Levi. Uh, his daughter's name was Dinah. They were uh, moving around as a family. They were in a Philistine area. They went into Shechem. And one of, a, one of the Shechemites took Dinah the daughter. And uh, as Dinah the daughter was taken in and she was raped, uh, and then as Jacob and his family showed up, they said, we really love Dinah. Uh, we want to take her as our wife. And Jacob said, no, that's not going to happen. Well, Levi, the son, was hacked off because his sister had been raped uh, by this foreigner. And so he came in trickery. He says, hey, listen, here's what we're going to do. And God permits all this to happen, by the way. God permits all this to happen. He says, here's what we're going to do. Uh, listen, it wouldn't be right for us to give our daughter, my sister, to you uh, because all you men are uncircumcised. We as Israelites are circumcised. Go read the story. It's a, it's a strategically, it's a militarily strategic decision he made. He says, here's what I'll do for you. He says, if all of y'all will go and circumcise yourself, then we'll give you Dinah. All right, now I want you to know, hey, what if I looked at all you today and you were uncircumcised? I said, listen, part of joining this church, we got a membership workshop Sunday, <laughs> is uh, we're going to need all you guys to be circumcised. How many of you uh, would find a different church? <laughs> I guarantee your pastor would say, I am out, right? I am out. And so that's pretty much what he said. He says, listen, you want to be part of our family? You all, all the dudes in the city, go read it. Genesis 34, he goes, you're going to have to circumcise yourself. We'll come back in a couple of days and bring Dinah. And I just think if I'm that Shechemite dude, I'm going, she just ain't that cute, right? <laughs> I'm going, she may, I'm, I just thought she was a looker, but now that I get a second look at her, I'm out, right? I'm going to find me someone else. These Shechemites totally sign up for the Darwin Awards. How many of you know what the Darwin Awards are? They circumcise every dude in Shechem of fighting age circumcises themselves. All right. Read it. it. says Levi waited three days and he attacks them. It's actually in the Bible. He says, while the men of Shechem were still in pain, no kidding. That Levi goes in there and destroys the whole city in anger. He doesn't just take out the guy that raped his sister. He kills all the dudes in the city. And that wasn't enough. Read it on. He says he hamstrung all the oxen. He destroyed all the animals. And ultimately, God permitted that to happen. 
Now listen, getting justice for your sister is one thing, but going way, way too far is another thing. And that's ultimately what Levi is judged for is because he didn't just get retribution or justice for his, uh, for his sister, but he went ahead and shed a bunch of innocent blood, then went out and needlessly destroyed the animals by a hamstring. You know what it is, I mean, a hamstring, someone, means those oxen who are beasts of burden could never function again for that city. And so ultimately, Levi gets cursed. Now, here's the beautiful thing about maybe where you are if you feel like I am reaping some consequences of some bad decisions I've made in the, made in the past. Even though Levi was cursed by Jacob, that you will never receive an inheritance in the land. Fast forward a couple of generations. It is his great, great, uh, his great grandson, Aaron, who is chosen as the first high priest. When they go into the children of Israel, that curse still played or had effect on him. And Levi and his tribe didn't get a place in the land, but God, because of his grace, ended up choosing Levi and the tribe of the Levites to be the priest in all of Israel. So guys, if you are sitting here and you feel like I am under a curse for something I've done in the past, can I just tell you right now, Yes, God may have permitted you to commit that sin or to do this or to do that, but that was not God's ultimate will. But here's the better thing about God's permissive will. When you and I step out and we make a mistake and do something contrary to God's absolute or ultimate will for our life, and we operate in a place of failure in his permissive will, there's always opportunity for grace going forward. And so the point then becomes, here I am in this moment, in this season and time. Maybe you, have, you are sitting here and you've made some really good decisions over the last couple of months, the last couple of years. That's why you're here. You're as, you're as excited about walking with God as ever before. Can I tell you, there's still God's call on your life. And he wants you to know his will. Maybe you're at the other end of that spectrum and you are sitting here going, you know, if I wouldn't have, I know I shouldn't have. And maybe you're even thinking, can God ever use me again? I want you to know God has a will for your life. And just like Levi, he wants to bless you and the generations to come. Now, when we, anytime you talk about God's will, a lot of people uh, bring up Gideon. How many of you remember Gideon in, in the Old Testament? The Midianites uh, would come in and they would destroy the children of Israel. And over and over and over again, they would come in, they would destroy the children of Israel. And it says the Lord showed up to Gideon, a dude named Gideon. Gideon is hiding out uh, in the wine press. He is threshing uh, his wheat in the wine press. And let me tell you what, you don't thresh wheat in the wine press. What do you do in the wine press? You press wine, right? That means Gideon was hiding from the Midianites. And the Midianites over and over again, they would wait for the harvest. And about the time the harvest would show up, the Midianites would come in and steal everything the Israelites had. And the Israelites were defensive, defenseless against them, wouldn't stand up and fight them. And Gideon didn't seem to be any different. And so God showed up to Gideon and said, dude, you're the chosen people of God. Why are you cowering in fear from an enemy that just waits for you to do all the work and then shows up and steals the prophet? And so God shows up to Gideon and says, listen, I want you to lead the children of Israel to go basically stomp the Midianites. And Gideon steps back and says, wait, um, 
I don't think I can do this. And remember Gideon's deal with God. He says, listen, God, all right, here's what's going to happen. I'm, I'm going to put this piece of, this fleece out. And um, if I come back in the morning and the fleece is wet and the ground is dry, then I will know God wants me to lead the children of Israel to fight the Midianites. So God says, okay. Gideon goes, lays down, comes back the next morning. Sure enough, the fleece is wet, the ground is dry, and we think we're ready to go. And no, just like the rest of us, just like many men I know, perhaps like some of y'all in here today, that Gideon says, well, all right, that was pretty good, God. But, but how about this? Okay, how about tonight I go to sleep, I'll leave the fleece out, and in the morning I want the fleece to be dry and the ground to be wet, because the last thing I would want to do is do anything for God that God didn't want me to do. I know that's why y'all don't serve God, is because we don't, we don't want to get ahead of God, right? How many times have I said that? God, I don't want to get ahead of you. He goes, I just want you to get somewhere, right? I'm telling you, a lot of you, God is looking at you saying, you don't want to get ahead of God. He said, just go somewhere, I'll show up there. How about that? And so sure enough, he, he wakes up and, and it's exactly the way, it, the way God orchestrated it, put it together so Gideon knew. Then Gideon ultimately goes out and gains victory over the uh, Midianites and all of Israel is blessed because of it. Fast forward to the end of Gideon's life. It says after his last battle, he had all of the soldiers, all of the men around him, uh, he had all of them uh, provide some of the resources and the plunder from the Midianites, and he built an ephod. And that became a legacy, a monument to what he had done in the past. Go read it. At the end of Gideon's life, it, it becomes an idol for his family, what he had done for God in the past. So here's part of the story. Part of the story is, guys, I don't care what you've done in the past. Okay. No one in here is of the age, young or old, that what God wants you to do is build a monument to what you've done. I'm going to say that again. God doesn't want you to do, what God doesn't want you to do is build a monument to what you've done for God. There are a lot of dudes in this room that you have done some incredible things for God. I want you to know. I, I want you to know as your pastor, I have watched some of you be faithful. In my 27 years here, I've watched some of you be faithful in my 27 years ago. My guess is God ha has worked through you as much as he's worked through me as a pastor. But I want you to know, regardless of what your age is or what you've done in the past, the last thing God wants for you is for you to have done more in your past than you do in the future. And so the call for us today is, what is God's will for my life beginning today? Now we got lots of stuff in the past and I can tell you, I can tell you those seasons in my life where I have done my will, I've operated in God's permissive will and not God's will. I can tell you those times that I've done a, a lot of things that absolutely were God's will. And so as we journey forward today, my encouragement for us is to ask afresh and anew in this culture, in this place, in this space, and in this church, what does God want me to do next? What is God's will for me? And, you know, as we think about um, what is God's will for me, let me just, I, I just jotted down some thoughts I'm going to read to you. Here's one thing that I know 
is not God's will for anybody in this room. First of all, I can tell you, it is not God's will for anybody in this room that you would just sit in a Bible study and not serve in your church and serve in your community and serve in your family. That is not God's will for your life. That you would simply just sit in a Bible study and then not do something for God. Here are a couple of other things that this is God's will. That's, that's what God's will is not for your life. Um, I think more than ever, I just tell you this, God's will is a look in your eyes. God's will for your life is that you would be a man. That you would be a man. That we would be a little dangerous. How many of us understand that? That's part of who God made us to be. It is okay to be a little dangerous. Now, even for men who are dangerous, who aren't willing to back down, still the best thing we can do is keep our sword in the sheath most of the time. Do we not understand? See, the problem with a man who is a man who is a dangerous man, it's not whether he has a sword, it's who he pulls the sword on. Do we understand? Let me tell you what, guys, if you pull the sword out on your wife with your words, or your kids with your anger, or your employees in bitterness, that is not the time to be a man who pulls the sword. But oftentimes we need to understand, we need to be men, we need to be dangerous men, but we need to make sure that the people that we pull our sword out on are ones God tells us to pull our sword out on. But a true, godly, dangerous man knows when to leave the sword in its sheaths. Here's another thing I think is God's will. We need to be tough as nails, but temper our toughness with gentleness in our relationships. Guys, we need to be tough as nails. Man, when culture and Satan and everything that is going on right now begins to hammer us and mock us and laugh at us uh, for, uh, for our beliefs, for the right way we want to raise our kids, for what we want to uh, believe and teach about the Bible, let me tell you what, God needs some men that are tough as nails. But when it comes to my relationship, I will temper it with gentleness. You want to know what my wife needs more than anything? What your wife needs more than anything? Needs a husband that is tough as nails. That when culture begins to smack on us and, and mess with us and jack with us, that as men of God, we can take it. Just say, bring it on. Man, we, we are going to live what we believe. We are going to live out what, what God teaches and, and God has taught us in his word. We're going to be as tough as nails. But when it comes to my relationship with my wife, you know what, I, what she needs more than anything? That husband who's tough as nails to treat her with tenderness, tenderness. You know what my kids need? My kids need a dad that's tough as nails. You know what your kids and grandkids need? A dad that's tough as nails. But when it comes to our relationship, we would temper it with gentleness. Here, here's the third thing. You want to be a man, and we haven't even gotten into how do I determine God's will for my life. We're going to get into that. Third thing that every man, if you really want to be used by God, you've got to be wise financially. Guys, you've got to step back and make sure that you are being wise in your financial life. 
man, am I, am I living within my means? Am I making the right investments? Am I doing the right thing? You say, pastor, uh, is there, is there one thing you can tell me? Yeah. Here, here's, here's a simple question. Can you pay your tithes and pay your bills? If you can't, God's word would be pretty clear. Sell something. Don't ever let your debts and your poor financial decisions drive you and drive your relationships. One of the most common, if you're married, one of the most common fights uh, couples have is over what? It's over money. Man, don't, don't drive your family into space and a place where money becomes a, an argument space and an argument place. A couple of years ago, we were really blessed a number of years ago. Gene and I lived over in Fairview and we began to look at it. And I don't know how this happened, but Gina had those four kids. Uh, and uh, I began to look. And let me tell you what, I, the best house we ever had, best land we ever had, best space, place we ever had. But I was looking pastor in a church and I was sitting there going, you know, I'm about to have to pay for all of her kids to go to college. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And I just said, you know, we got to downsize. We got to move. So I'm telling you guys, there are times that instead of us sitting there bickering and fighting and, and saying, man, we can't do this, we can't do that, our answer was sell it. So God wants you to be financially wise so you can serve him and serve his kingdom. And so guys, just to, let me tell you, as, as a man, don't have too many toys and too many payment, payments that you end up arguing with your wife about every little penny. I will tell you on the other end, you've heard me say this a thousand times over. If God is blessing you in a powerful and real way and you can have a boat and you can have a boathouse and you can have a, a, a house in uh, Colorado and house on the beach, I just want to tell you, God bless you, all right? And, and shoot me a text. <laughs> I want to be your friend. I, I don't look around. I'm not jealous at any of that, right? I, I'm not jealous at any of that. But what I am, uh, I am a challenge. I'm going to challenge you with this, man. Live within your means. That's all. Man, we, we practice a 10-10-80 rule here at Cottonwood Creek. We do in my house. It, it, is, it is first 10% goes to God of what I make. Second 10% goes into my savings, into my retirement, into my, my investments. That's the way we do. You say, Pastor, what do you do with that other 80%? Have as much fun as I can. Amen. Buy as much stuff as you can. And enjoy it. All right? And here, here's another one. Men, I don't care what your age is. Develop a healthier lifestyle. Develop a healthier lifestyle. Guys, let's be as healthy as we can be. Let's be as good as examples as we can be. Let's do everything that we can to live as long as we can. And that's really what we want to be, man. And so develop a healthier lifestyle. Man, if, if, if you've got something you drink too much or something you eat too much, or it's okay to eat on Tuesday morning because I teach afterwards and burns all that stuff off. Uh, but seriously, develop a healthier lifestyle. Man, begin to walk, begin to work out, begin to determine what you want, why. I, I see a lot of times that I think that um, just like with sins and just like with addictions where I'm like, man, God, could you really use this person? I, I think there are times that because we don't keep ourselves healthy enough, that God can't use us en enough. 
it's not meant to be conviction. This is meant to be encouragement, just some general rules of, uh, of being healthy. What did John say? He goes, I, John said, I want you to be physically healthy, just like I want you to be spiritually healthy. He said both of those. Here's number five, and we'll jump into God's will for my life. Deal with any addictions or uncontrolled habits in your life now. Deal with any addictions or uncontrolled habits in your life now. And if you need help, catch someone at the church, one of our staff, after this, or shoot us an email or something. And if there is that hidden sin, that secret sin, that secret addiction, or that uncontrollable habit, guys, get it fixed. And if you and I will just do those things right there, that sets us up to not only know God's will, but to do God's will. I'm gonna say that again, just that little list right there sets us up in a space to not simply just know God's will, but to ultimately do God's will. So let me just jump in and, and go, go to God's will, man. Most important question uh, we can ever answer. Ephesians chapter five, verse 15 to 17 says this. He says, this is Paul talking to all of us. He says, be very careful then how you live, as dangerous, strong, scary men, powerful men, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, that's some of the bad habits that I just talked about, don't live as a fool, make the most of every opportunity. Now notice, you only have a limited number of opportunities. Why do I wanna deal with my bad habits? Why do I wanna get myself financially in the right place? Why do I wanna make myself as healthy as I can? Why do I wanna deal with those things? Why? Because I only have so many opportunities. Here's what I know, I've got four kids. I don't know how many opportunities I have left to have a conversation with them, to have a meal with them, to hug them, to love them. I hope a lot, but I don't know. Do you understand that, guys? Part of that is we all need to come to grips with our own mortality, with, with the reality that the next doctor's visit could paint a whole different story of your future. Do you understand? So we want to be in a way that we're, we are wise in what we do so we can make the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. All right, what the will of the Lord is. That means we can do it. So note, this is the most important question you and I can ask. So then you say, all right, what is the will of God? Let me give you a couple of quick thoughts of what the will of God is not. The will of God is not a feeling. It's not some feeling that you have. Uh, it, it's not just, a, uh, man, I want to do this. I want to do that. Uh, it's more than that. And we're going to look at this. Why do you not just want to follow your feelings when it comes? Because my guess is this. If you follow your feelings to God's will, you're going to end up not doing much for God. Because there are a lot of times, I mean, there, how many of you believe there are probably a lot of people in our children's ministry each and every Sunday? By the way, Dave is doing a, a knockout job in our children's ministry. I have over 600 kids. Give Dave a hand. <laughs> how many of you think there's some of the dudes that work down there, and some of y'all might need to do this, by the way, uh, but keep your uh, sword in your sheath, please, uh, uh, that uh, 
that, that you think they wake up on a Sunday morning and say, I really don't really want to go work with somebody else's kids. Anybody think they have that feeling? That's not a good way to get it. What did Jeremiah the prophet say about our feelings? He says, guys, be careful. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. You will never fix your feelings. And don't ever let it drive you. It says, who can understand it? I can tell you there are times that I, I, I wake up in the morning and, and, and man, I just don't feel like it. I'm, I don't feel like coming and preaching. I work one day a week and really only half that day. <laughs> and there are times I wake up and I'm like, man, I really don't want to feel it. I don't feel like it. Man, there are times that sometimes I'm here in church, I'm loving Jesus, I'm worshiping God. Uh, somebody will walk by me and, and say something and I'm like, I, I'd really like to just jack slap him. <laughs> in Jesus' name. Hey, is there anybody? I mean, I'm like, you're in church, right? Man, don't ever follow your feelings. Don't let feelings drive you guys. Man, our hearts are deceitful. How many of you, I guess I could ask this question. Don't raise your hand. Uh, well, maybe she's here. How many of you, if you had followed your feelings all the way to the altar, you might have married the wrong woman at some point? Yeah, don't ever trust your feelings, right? And Jeremiah says, man, the heart is deceitful. Uh, God's will is not only, it's not a feeling, uh, it's not a fixed formula, man. It's not a do this, do that. Uh, it's not a fixed form formula. I, I love this about God's will. God's will is dynamic, guys. God's will is dynamic. It changes. So a lot of times we, I'll just tell you this, you come in and ask for me to, uh, uh, to help you determine God's will. I have never once in my life said, well, let's go get a fleece. Never once. I just told you a story about a dude that really determined God's will by the fleece. I've never told anybody, let's go get a fleece and see how this thing works out. Why? Because you and I have so much more information than Gideon did, right? What is Gideon, what did, what did we have that Gideon didn't have? Bible, right, right? Gideon had the Bible, God's Word, tons of examples. We have the church, we have pastors, we have mentors in ministry, we have the Holy Spirit. Man, Gideon didn't have the Holy Spirit living inside him. He hadn't developed the fruit of the Spirit. We have so much more than Gideon to help us determine God's will. All right, so, but I want you to know, God's will for you in your 20s may not be God's will for you today. Don't ever be so fixed in your ways that you can't follow God's ways. Might want to just write that down. Don't ever, ever, ever be so fixed in your ways that you can't follow God's ways. You say, well, well pastor, what's your best example of God's will being dynamic? How many of you have heard of this dude? He's in the Bible. His name's Apostle Paul. All right, let me just, if you just go through the Apostle Paul, uh, I made a list of these uh, last week getting ready for this. There were times that Paul would go to a church because God, or a town because God prompted him. How many of you can read that? Paul says, and then God prompted me to go from this city to that city. Then there were other times, that was God's will. There were other times that Paul says, I went from this city to that city because they invited me. And guess what? That turned out to be God's will. 
There are other times you can look at Paul. One of the reasons he went from this city to that city is because the people in that city kicked him out. How many of you ever been in that state? And guess what? It was God's will that he get out of that city and go to this city. Part of God's will was that Paul needed to witness to some soldiers, so he got thrown in jail. All of those are different places and spaces that Paul clearly said, that was God's will for my life. So guys, listen, we have way more information than Gideon does. We have the Bible, we have the Holy Spirit, we have the prompting, we have others, we have the church, we have the pastor, we have all of those things. But here's what we need to understand. Don't be so fixed in your ways, you're not willing to listen to new things God is telling you. Because even with the Apostle Paul, if God, if the Apostle Paul said, man, I'm not going to go anywhere until God prompts me. He would have stayed in that one city. But once, several times he went to a city because he was prompted. Several other times he went because he's invited. Other times he went because he was run out of town. And sometimes he's put in jail. So realize that God's will is not some fixed formula. Man, God's will is not hidden. It's not hard. Ultimately, at the end of the day, if you want to put this, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, here's God's overarching will for every man in this room. This is God's will and pleases God. I love this. This is good and it pleases God who wants all people to be saved and, become, and come to the knowledge of the truth. In general, that's what God wants for all people to come to salvation. And he wants men to step in and move beyond it. You say, well, pastor, what are some of the things that limit us? I, I think there are some attitudes that you and I can have. Um, I think there might be some guys in this room, sadly, that you become fatalistic. That uh, you think, man, you know, I've missed my glory days to serve God. I just want you to know that's bull. You may have missed a lot of days, but you didn't miss the glory days if you start serving him now. Some of you might be fatalistic and say, man, I've had this addiction that just beats me down and, and I'm just never going to get over it. Or I've got this habit that I just can't get over it. I want you to know that's not true. I don't want you to be fatalistic. I love what, Je what is said, what Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 17. Anyone who chooses, everybody say chooses. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak to anyone. Here's the clear key. Following God's will starts with your choosing. Me preaching a really good message today about answering the question, what is God's will for my life, is far, far less important than the choice you make today. The most important choice you can make today is are you willing to choose to do God's will? If you are, God's going to bless you. God's going to bless your family. God's going to bless our church. God's going to bless our community. I hate it when people have a timer to tell me when to stop. <laughs>
Hey, hey, hey. Here's another thing, man. Don't be fatalistic, guys. Dude, I, I don't care what addiction you have. I don't, want, I don't care what about uncontrolled habit. You know what God wants? You know what your family needs? Man up, all right? Deal with your stuff and say, God, use me. Deal with your junk. Man, we've all got junk. Stand up, deal with your, deal with your junk, choose to follow God. Don't be fearful. Don't be fearful. Why should I be? People are so fearful. Well, what if I do this? What if God wants me to do that? Man, let me tell you what God's will does for you. Look at Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Listen to this, guys. Don't be afraid. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Don't be frustrated when you choose to God, do God's will. God's will, I will promise you this. And this is where we got to be tough, dudes. It will be filled with pleasure and pain, both. It will be filled with pleasure and pain. I will tell you, following God, saying yes to God, won't be all pain, nor will it all be pleasure. You say, where do you see that? Well, look at Romans chapter 8, verse 28. He says, and we know, everybody say, we know, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Here's a fact. That doesn't say all things are good. How many of you know that? It says God can work them to good. So I want you to know, don't be frustrated when you say, I'm gonna follow God and all of a sudden the first conversation you have with your wife or the first conversation you have with your kids or the first conversation you have with your boss or some dude that you feel like you're supposed to share the gospel with, don't be shocked and don't be frustrated if it doesn't go perfectly. Because even being filled and following God's will, it's going to have pleasure and pain. Here's what you know. Pleasure is God fulfilling his call in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. The pain is there to grow you and teach you that God can create pleasure out of pain. And that's a good call for us. So don't get frustrated, man, when things don't go well perfectly. So what is God's will? Here it is. Here's a couple thoughts real Number one, God's will is both personal and practical. You say, where do you see that? First Peter chapter four, verse 10. We're going to put it up on the screen. God's will is both personal and practical for every man in this room. Personal. Here it is. Each of you, everybody say that's all of us. All of us. Each of you, that's the personal aspect, should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. There's the practical. The personal, each of you, should use whatever gift he has to serve others. That's the practical. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So, part of God's will right now, you choose to follow God's will. Personally, then I'm going to take my skills and my gifts and I'm going to serve somebody. So, are you doing God's will? Who are you serving? Who are you serving? If not... Man, let me tell you what, I will promise you, if just the dudes in this room chose to do God's will and use whatever gifts they had to serve somewhere in this church, we'd be a different church. We'd be a different church. If every, every Sunday when uh, a woman walked in the door or a kid walked in the door, that there was a dude opening in the door, serving in, dudes serving in children's ministry, in student ministry, wherever it is, we want to understand that part of doing God's will 
means that each of you, regardless of your past, regardless of your hardship, regardless of your difficulty, regardless of those moments in your past where you didn't glorify God, God wants to use you beginning today to serve others. And there's the second thing it is, God's will is profitable for you and others long-term. So once I make the choice to use whatever gift I have to serve others, I will promise you it's gonna profit us all. You say, where do you see this? Galatians 6, 9, this is where we'll close. He says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Guys, let me tell you what, God's will is personal. Each of you, God's got something for you to do. It is personal. It's also practical. Just serve other people, your wife, your kids, your community, your school, whatever it is. But then it's also profitable. You will reap in due time. So what is God's will for you? Go deal with your stuff and get in the game. Let me put it a little easier for this. Start dealing with your stuff and get in the game. You look in God's word. God didn't wait for every dude to get perfect before he started serving some other dude. Start dealing with your stuff and get in the game and God will bless you. Let's pray. God, my prayer is that every man in this room would come out of here knowing that regardless of what I've done, regardless of where I've been, all I need to do is answer the question, what is God's will? God's will is not that I would be fearful or frustrated or, 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 or believe that you can't use me anymore, but your will, God, is that I, each one of us, we, would use whatever gifts we have to serve others. And when we as individuals use whatever gift we have, talent, skill we have to serve others, we can be sure that there's going to be a profit at the end of the road. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. For more information about Cottonwood Creek Church, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you come back to listen to more episodes of Men's Bible Study.